absolutely. He might be the most committed golfer we've ever talked with. And what I mean is... And welcome back. Welcome aboard another Park Train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Seven Singer. Mr. Matt Cermak, our other co-host, is with me. What's up, Ed? Good to be back. What a ride we just took. A real fast ride. The fastest ride we've ever taken on the train. Not, the train not was moving. even close. I don't even know if we had time to enjoy it. That's not true. That's it true. It was an unbelievable episode. We enjoyed it. That's not true. We enjoyed it. We had Lauren Cup, the speed golf world champ on the show but before we get to that if your golf game's off the rails if you're sick of riding the struggle bus you've come to the right episode the part train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course because if you can learn to smile through bad golf you can smile through anything the part train unpacks the mental game with pj tour pros best-selling authors ceos sports psychologists everyday golfers speed golf world champions and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally Get back on track. This episode, like every episode, is presented by Roback Activewear. Go to roback.com, enter the code TRAIN, get yourself 15% off for the stretchiest, softest, most stylish activewear on the market. I'm telling you, this stuff, I'm wearing my hoodie right now. People freak out about these hoodies. They're so soft and stretchy. You go from the couch to a round of golf, to a walk, to errands, to a night out. It works for everything. Uh, how many hoodies do you own from Roback? 15. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do say this seriously. I do think if you, if you guys still haven't pulled the trigger on Roback, the hoodie is the is probably the best start. Yeah. Right? Because who can argue a hoodie? Right? right. You might have your polos you like. You might have your Q-zips you like. Um, the hoodie, it's so comfortable. It's so versatile. The colors are different. I think it's the one, it's the easiest initial sell because they're just so good. It's the new wave of hoodies too, Ev. You know what I mean? So So a lot of people forget the code. Go to our Instagram at the part train, tap that link in bio. We always have the uh, discount link linked there. It'll auto apply in your cart. You can also go um, to the show notes of the episode you're listening to, and it'll be linked in the description there as well. So thank you to Rollback as always. But quickly, let's get to... We're trying to do our intro faster in honor of Lauren in this episode. Uh, <laughs> Lauren Cup, amazing, top-ranked speed golfer, former top amateur player in New York, featured on the Today Show, CBS Sunday Morning. She shot 76 in 46 minutes, just won the nationwide championship, the USA, Speed Golf USA, going to world championships, I think, within the next month here pretty soon. So I think this episode, we are just talking off air. If you've struggled... And you need to hit the reset button. Speed golf, I think, could be the ticket. Because think about what would happen to your psyche if you go out and you play in a quarter of the time, not just half the time, but a quarter of the time with three clubs and you shoot the same score, if not better, than when you play in five hours with 14 clubs. I think it's going to wake you up. And I think it's going to teach us that we're all making this game harder than it needs to be. And this episode is an amazing reminder of that. Guys, absolutely fantastic episode. We've never done an episode like this. Lauren is such an amazing story, and she's growing the game in such a different way. Speed golf. Now, guys, you're going to watch videos of Lauren. You're going to see her really sprinting in between shots. (laughs) Serious cardio. So you might not be able to do that right off the bat, but this idea of taking less practice swings, of just committing to shots, not being overly creative, not dwelling on the bad shot, 
because you're moving faster in between shots. Um, yep. It's something everybody should try. I mean, a couple other things I have. I mean, we talk about this at the end of the episode. you got to listen. She's the most committed golfer we've ever talked to. She just commits to every shot. She didn't have time to think about, oh, should right. be the 600 or the 700 because she's playing for speed and for score. I found that to be such an eye-opener for all the listeners. So this is, you know, again, uh, this is a, she's a definition of growing the game. Yeah. Growing the game. What do you want to call it? An exercise or a new way of playing golf? It's going to help your normal golf. I mean, she so, even brought up a 70-year-old that could never break par, went out with three clubs, shot a 31 on the front. Three, with three clubs. With three clubs. Absolutely fantastic. I, I think we've got a great opportunity to do more with Lauren, too. You know, she's a college coach at Hamilton University, so I'm buzzing. Lots of good stuff here. Yeah, this was great. As always, guys, hope this helps. If it does add some value, do us a solid. Throw us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Give us a follow at The Par Train. Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok are the best places to do it. We post content there multiple times a day, every day that isn't on the show. So if you like the show and you don't follow us, hop aboard that train. No matter how sideways that ball goes, no matter how mad you want to get it yourself, no matter how slow you think people are playing in front of you, what do they got to do, sir? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care. Lauren Cuff, it is our pleasure. Welcome aboard the Par Train. Awesome. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on. Lauren, we're excited. We might want to do this interview like faster than normal. We normally go an hour. Maybe we should like see if we can do it faster based on the, the topic of today. But Lauren, Matt here, my co-host, very good player, D1 college player, known for his putting, okay, mm -hmm. known for his short game. However, He's been struggling a little bit in 2022. So I wanted to start today by asking you, is the missing puzzle piece for Matt's putting game to keep the bag on his shoulders <laughs> while he's putting? I'm thinking maybe he could provide a wider base, some additional balance. I wanted to start today. Maybe that's the missing piece for all of our, our putting. It could be, Matt. I think, yeah, maybe you just need the bag on the back. I think you might be taking a few too many practice swings, too. Oh overthinking it get the right weight because i see you've only got a few clubs in there and <laughs> maybe we'll have to get some footage of me this week practicing my putting with the bag on i need to get a new bag i need to get a stick bag or a like you a carry bag a, a smaller bag. bag yeah 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 <laughs> so how many clubs do you carry in your bag per yeah. speed golf round let's start there typically i carry five so driver putter you have to have a wedge, right? In case you get in bunkers or whatever. Two irons, usually a six and a nine, obviously uh, depends on the course. And if there's a course where I feel like I can get to quite a few or a couple of the par fives in two, then I'll also take a five wood. But kind of a rule of thumb, unless I think I can shave two shots or more off with taking a club, it's, it's not worth putting in the bag. Lauren, it's interesting. We actually haven't interviewed him yet. But um, I know the guy that leads all communications at Sand Valley Golf Resort, and he is a big fan of I think he calls it half club. I don't know if he calls it half sets, but he plays either odds or evens on his irons. And he's talked a lot to me about separately off the show off air about the freeing nature of playing less clubs and how it opens up your creativity. It opens things up. It sounds like it does the same for you. Absolutely. It makes you think more creatively when you're playing regular golf. I mean, I used to be so distraught. If you're in between clubs, 
And now, I mean, in speed golf, you're always in between clubs, right? right. You almost never get that perfect number. But I have learned to hit a lot of different shots with the same clubs in my bag that now I use in regular golf. To be honest, it makes the game more fun if you can think creatively. Lauren, do you find yourself swinging harder more or swinging more three-quarter sawed-off shots? Or uh, is there a trend or does it just depend on the course you're playing? Yeah, I'd say swing a little more athletically. <laughs> I mean, it does yeah. take the, the sport of golf and makes it a little bit more of an athletic endeavor, if you will. So um, when you're running in between shots, you kind of just have this mentality of, of being an athlete, maybe not making that perfect swing, but making an athletic swipe at it. And just remembering, just trying to get that little ball in the little hole in the fewest amount of shots. It's so, so Lauren, funny, Matt. I feel like we've had three weeks in a row that our current week's guest mentioned something from the last week's episode. Like we did a hitting rock bottom episode and then... Mina Haragai on LPJ Tour talked about how she hit rock bottom. Her theme was an athletic mindset. Yeah. And now you're talking about being an athlete out there. It's funny. Yeah, it is. And it's something you don't really think about when you're speed golfing because you're running, right? Like you feel athletic. But there's something to be said about that mentality of just being an athlete and remembering what our goal is. We're just trying to get the ball in the hole in the fewest amount of shots. I think you can get really caught up especially with all the technology we have right now, we've got TrackMan and FlightScope and you can get really caught up in the numbers and the swing thoughts and forget the objective of what golf is. So I do like that about speed golf and it can certainly be applied to regular golf just to be, there are times you just have to be an athlete. Well, Lauren, we did an Instagram post today, a great Bobby Jones quote, and I'm paraphrasing, but he said golf should be less about score and more about executing shots you know where your mind is at right so for the listeners give us some context you're out there you're moving fast right you don't have so much time to think about your outcomes or what you might be shooting or because you don't have those breaks in between shots when your mind races but talk about the, the power of that and the process yeah well i mean not having the time to think about the last shot is <laughs> a beautiful thing it really is um, i mean you you take each shot in its entirety and then it's done. You know, in speed golf, if I miss a green, okay, I see it, first of all, right? I see it. I can find it. I can make up and down from there. It's a much different mentality than regular golf where I used to just try to make this perfect swing every time. And when I didn't execute, you know, when I didn't start it at that tree and draw it 10 yards in, I'd be disappointed. But, you know, with speed golf, it really is, you hit it, you find it, you hit it again. And a lot of the thinking for the next shot is done while you're running to the ball. So after I hit right. that shot, you don't have time to think about why didn't it draw? Why did that fly farther than I thought? it? No, I just, I know I can find it. And you're thinking about the next one. Okay, now that I'm just off the green, I can make up and down from there. Do I have to land this on the green? Oh, it looks like the green's sloping away from me. So mm. By thinking that way, I've already forgotten about the bad shot that I just hit. I'm on to the next shot. And that can be applied to regular golf as well. And that's something that's really helped me in my regular golf game is that after I hit a shot, I'm on to the next one. I'm not thinking about the one before. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do the next shot because once it's already happened, not much you can do about it. So Lauren, just to give our listeners context, because we haven't really talked about how it works and what it is. I think it's important to note, and correct me if I'm wrong, 
because I have done this once. I'm going to tell you my story. Oh, but cool. First, every minute is the same as every stroke. So there is a constant balance and battle between the quality of your shot, but your speed of doing it. Correct. It's simply your time in minutes plus your golf score. So you just add the two together. If you shoot in 80 and 60 minutes, your speed golf score is 140. Mm. But you're right. So essentially every shot is worth a minute. So you do really have to factor that in. Playing superior golf is key because if you start hitting it sideways, you start running a lot farther and Mm. taking more time. That being said, it behooves you to try to make that three footer to take your time and make it because if you miss it, making up a minute of running over four or five miles is pretty difficult. That's great. Cause Lauren, I've heard you say in one of your other interviews, the key is keeping the ball in front of you. And obviously that's the key to just golf. Right. Mm-hmm. But I would imagine in all your learnings and your success as a speed golfer, you've just gotten more sort of maybe we like to talk about aggressive to conservative targets. You're getting up there, you're being an athlete, you're ripping it, but you're like, Hey, like, I got, let's keep that short of the green, right? Or like, I'm in between clubs. You're really thinking about where to miss it, but much quicker. Exactly right. Keeping it in front of you in speed golf is key because you have to be able to find it and find it quickly. There's nothing worse than looking for your ball for 20 seconds in speed golf because you can hear the, you can hear the clock ticking, but playing short is also really important because Going over the green, I mean, not only do you have to run there and run back, which wastes time, but you do find at most courses over the green is no good. It's <laughs> the worst. So have you experienced, Lauren, that the importance of a fairway finder is almost more pivotal? Because that's something that we've talked about to many different coaches, players of when I'm struggling, do I have a shot that I can go to? Doesn't need to be as far doesn't need to be as sexy, but just find a shot that I can get in play. I would think based on what you just described, that's even maybe more important in speed golf. Has that helped you strengthen that shot? Absolutely. I've got a little bunt driver <laughs> that I can hit. <laughs> a little that, low cut. Or exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's predictable. <laughs> You're right. It doesn't go that far, but it's straight. And that's key to be able to have a shot that you can hit down the middle, find again, and hit it again is is really important, both in speed golf and you're right, and in regular golf. We talk a lot about that with my college players too. Just having a predictable shot. It's so important. And when things are going the wrong direction, it helps you get back on track. Well, Lauren, we want to definitely dive into your experience as a coach with the men's and women's teams at Hamilton University. Do you have them do speed golf like when you guys are playing? Like Talk to us and the listeners about how you incorporate it and how you maybe got them on board with it. Because, you know, as Evan was saying off air, it's, it's tiring. You got to have good cardio for this, right? So like, yeah. <laughs> talk about how you, you incorporate into your coaching. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really fortunate. I've got an awesome job at Hamilton College where I coach both the men's and women's teams and they're just really fantastic athletes, but really amazing people to and support me in what I do, which is pretty awesome. Do I make them do speed golf? Sometimes, <laughs> you know, we're, we're not out there banging out 18 holes every day, running around, but yeah, there's no slow play on my team. Yeah. And, uh, and it is something that we, that we work on too. 
just moving it along and just talking about golf very, very simply as a, as a simple game. You know, as I alluded to before, we're fortunate. We've got a lot of technology here. We've got an indoor golf facility that's got TrackMan. But man, you can just get so obsessed with the numbers and looking at your numbers versus PGA Tour players and the top players, et cetera. We just try to get back to the basics. But yeah, we we play quickly and we talk a lot about the mental side of the game and just a lot of the things we've already talked about and just making the lowest average score possible from where you are right now, not where you were on the tee mm, box. That's really good. Right. Correct me if I'm wrong, Lauren. You've done 18 holes in 50 minutes? Yes. Yeah. I just had my fastest time at the U.S. Championships just two weeks ago. I ran just over 46 minutes for 18 holes, which is my wow. fastest. That's incredible. I that, think yeah. I've done, so I've done speed golf twice. Let me tell you a couple of my stories real quick to give people yeah. context from my standpoint. I've done it with a cart and I've done the real speed golf, which is, but I did nine holes and I've done a cart in like 48 and that was like driving right up to the green, right up to the tee box, jumping out, hitting it, getting back in. So doing that with running, they were hosting it here in LA at Mountain Gate, a local private club and really hilly course. I'm more of like a sprint athlete. Like I played baseball and soccer growing up, but I was a forward. Like you'd think I'd have good cardio from playing soccer. I, I don't. I like I'm quick bursts. So I'm up on the first tee, never doing cardio. And I look at the guy that organized it and I'm like, this is like pretty chill, right? It's like a jog, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, real light jog. <laughs> and then no joke. We hit our first tee shots and these people are off full sprint. And I'm like just trying to keep up. So I'm like sprinting behind them thinking, oh, my God, like this is not a jog. If this is their jog, I'm in trouble. And the ninth hole is a straight up hill. <laughs> I was dying. Although I will tell you, I used to do this before work when I lived in San Diego. I'd try and play 18 in under two hours. I would do it all the time, try and be first out. And would I make some mistakes because I'm moving really fast and I would rush. Yes. But most of the time I would shoot around an 83, 84. But at those days that like, that's around what I would shoot anyways. Mm -hmm. So I guess based on that story and now people are seeing it through my eyes, what is the balance between, cause they say don't rush, but at the same time play fast. Cause I seen you in the videos with your other interviews, like you take a moment before you swing. So help our listeners understand how can they play fast without rushing? Right. So the, the rushing is done in between the shots. Yeah. After you hit the shot, you are take one look at where that ball's headed, pick up the bag and go watch it land as you're going. And then, yeah, you, I mean, you're running as quickly as you can in between shots. It's a little bit of a learned skill, but once you get there, you are, you're taking a deep breath, you're lining up the shot and you're focusing on hitting a a good golf swing before you rush to the next one. Are you taking practice swings or practice putting strokes, chipping strokes? Nope. Nowhere. Practice swings needed. <laughs> I would guess that Lauren's teams at Hamilton College probably aren't big on practice swings either. Is that fair? That is true too. I mean, they'll take a practice swing or two, especially on the on the putts. I mean, when you're trying to get the speed down on the lag putts, that's certainly something that's important in regular golf. But in speed golf, it's line it up, take one look, 
and swing. And for the lag putts, I'm just trying to get it close enough where I can run up and tap in the next one without lining it up. Lauren, I've heard you say, and I think this is really good conversation. I'm paraphrasing it, but the pre-shot routine can be sometimes not your friend, right? It's just Try, not So talk about that. Like, I think a pre-shot routine of some sort, right? Doing the same thing every time is the key. But we analyze too much of every little moment or every little feel or swing. So talk about that. Right. I just, I really have found, yeah, making a, a long pre-shot routine just isn't necessary. You know, as we talked about before, you're, you're just being an athlete and, you know, something to kind of help the swing get going is, is fine, is okay. Take a practice swing and go, but you don't have to have so many thoughts in your head that you forget to be athletic and forget to make a good swing. And that can happen if your pre-shot routine gets too long. Yeah, Matt, I've even told, you know, my wife or my dad or people that are getting just back into the game, I've noticed, and this is even people I get matched up with who maybe are, you know, a 20 plus handicap, they'll take their practice swing. And if let's say they don't brush the grass like they'd want, they go, oh, and they have to do it again until, but the funny thing is they think that that will lead to doing it in the real swing. But the real swing with consequences is a totally different swing than the practice swing. So that's something, an insight that I've always found to be true of people aren't really doing the practice swing because they think it helps them. It's more out of fear and this like hanging on that I need to do it to feel it in order to believe that I can. So it's interesting how that can almost create more anxiety if you're not having a good practice swing. Right. Does that practice swing really have bearing on what happens in the regular swing? Probably not. I mean, yeah. not not unlike hitting balls before you play in a tournament. I mean, how many times have you hit balls so crisply on the range and then you get to the first tee and tee it up and you're like, where, where'd that come from? Yeah. <laughs> or the opposite way, you know, it just, it it's for warming up purposes only. It really doesn't seem to have much bearing on the, the actual results. So Lauren, if, if we go back, you know, you've had a very accomplished amateur career, but like we go back these last couple of years of when you thought speed golf was cool and you were connected to it and you thought, well, maybe this could really help my game. What areas of your game have you really seen change because of speed golf? I know you talked about the, you know, the perfect shot and accepting. Yeah. And I really just got, I got started on speed golf, if I'm being honest, to try to save time. I mean, I kind of found speed golf, you know, in a time where I was a new mom. I had just gotten this great job at Hamilton, but it was full time and it was time consuming. But I still wanted to play golf competitively, but I didn't feel like I was getting any better because I didn't have five hours to play 18 holes. I didn't have three hours to practice any longer. But then I kind of stumbled upon speed golf and I was like, oh, if I could get in 18 holes worth of swings in an hour or less, I could do that. I could do that almost every day and get my fitness and my golf in. That's kind of how I started with it. Um, And at first I was worried, which I think a lot of people can be, that maybe this was going to somehow ruin my regular golf game. As you mentioned, it's actually not been the case. It's, It's the opposite. As I got more comfortable doing that, my speed golf scores and my regular golf scores got much closer and they're really close now. I also found that my regular golf game got better. I now have the ability to shoot more under par rounds than I ever have. And I think a lot of that is I just, I'm not getting in my own way. (laughs) I mean, one 
kind of interesting example is just even with the heart rate thing. I mean, that very uncomfortable feeling of getting to the first tee with your heart racing or being over a putt to shoot 69 instead of 70, you know, that very uncomfortable feeling where your heart starts racing and you start sweating. That's very comfortable to me. Yeah, now. You have that all the time. Yeah. Well, right. You know what I'm talking about. It's a terrible, it's a terrible feeling. But if you're used to playing with your heart rate up a little bit, it doesn't bother me anymore. And so kind of that nervous feeling is gone. And that's really helped me shoot a lot of lower scores than I have before. So yeah, I think that's part of it. And I also have just realized through speed golf that you really only need one good shot to make a par, right? So like, I mean, we've already talked about not trying to hit the perfect shot every time. You really only need to hit one good shot a hole to make a par. I mean, a good drive, a good iron shot, a good wedge, a good chip, or a good putt, just one yeah. <laughs> makes you a par. So if you kind of approach it that way, then you know what I've found in, in my regular golf game is the bad shots don't don't rattle me as much right. as they used to. And that's been really helpful too. Well, Ev, before you jump in, two things, just in everything you just said, I got to point out, like, it's great. Talk about the adrenaline, right? Because you're going to feel adrenaline walking the first tee that never goes away because we care, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to feel it when you I got a tee shot. You don't like how it looks or when you're coming down the stretch and you got a chance to win, right? Or you got to win your match or whatever. Tiger used to, there's the stories of Tiger going, being at the range and, you know, hitting a wedge, doing a sprint, coming back and hit another shot, right? To control his adrenaline. And it's one of the ways he was so good at what he did, right? Because he was, had to work on that. You're saying, well, I just play speak off, right? <laughs> yes, I said my heart rate raised the whole time on purpose. Yeah. And I think it's that's great. That sounds. <laughs> it's kind of awesome to yeah. think that, because normally it's like, I got to find time for my workout and then I yeah. got to find time for golf. It's kind of awesome to like play more golf, but not feel guilty about it because it's so much less time and you're doing it for your fitness. Yeah, it really doesn't take much time. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, I can get in nine holes in around 20 minutes. And I mean, my husband and I will do that every night in the summertime. We'll just wait till the sun's almost about to go down. We've got three little kids and we'll take turns. And I mean, in an hour, we both got, you know, almost three miles in, nine holes in and time with the kids. You know, that's why I started playing. But it's a real time saver, which is which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. And just real quick, the the other part, too, you talk about just need one good shot. To make a hole. When we were kids, our coach used to say to us, Hey, what shot do you make a par on the par five? And we'd look at him and I'm like, oh, it's gotta be the second shot, right? You know, it's gotta, you know, or it's gotta be driving. He goes, No, it's a fifth shot, right? That acceptance, that understanding, you've got less time to dwell on how bad the drive was. And you're just like, you know, getting that out of the fairway, right? And then I'm gonna chip it up on the green and maybe get make a putt. And I just that is for our listeners, that is so big because more 15, 20 handicappers get so down on the initial two shots on a hole if it's par four or par five. Right. And that's how you avoid the big numbers. And again, I talk to my college players about this all the time. If you can avoid making two bad shots or a bad shot and a bad decision in a row, you should very rarely, I mean, once a season, make a double bogey. Bogey, bogeys are going to happen most rounds and that's okay. But you make very few double bogeys if you don't make two mistakes in a row. <laughs> One's okay. Two, that's when you start getting into big numbers. Well, it's interesting, yeah. Yeah. Lauren, you even talked about, I mean, we talked about the adrenaline, 
We talked about comfort with the adrenaline, with the elevated heart rate, but you've also talked about consciously focusing on your breathing over putts as well. So I think that's important to make clear too, is it's important to be comfortable in that scenario, but it's also a valuable skill to know how to settle yourself down when you need it. And especially on the fine motor skills, the putting, the chipping, you've got to get your heart rate down at least a little bit to make those shots. Not as much on the drive when you're swinging hard, but especially on the putting you do, you've got to get your, your heart rate down yourself under control, get a clear thought and make a, make a good shot. Are you tracking your heartbeat when you're out there? Are you wearing a Garmin or a a whoop? Yeah, I I do kind of track my heart rate. Of course, you know, you've got a lot of stuff going on between trying to track your, your miles, um, (laughs) which I think is kind of interesting because you really can tell the days where you are hitting it straight and aren't. And then sometimes you play, of course, you don't know, you got the GPS going on too, et cetera. But yeah, I would love to see like what Whoop or one of those things would would pick up for heart rated pride. I'd probably be very up and down, up and down for the whole round. All right, guys, stay seated. Keep those seatbelts fast and the train's going to make a quick stop and then we'll get you right back on track. Our friends at Red Rooster Golf just dropped new fall colors for their golf clubs. The Boilermaker is by far my favorite glove they've ever made. It's got this sleek golden black look. They've also got kind of a brown fall type of style as well. So go to redroostergolf.com, enter the code train, get yourself 20% off. But also remember that rain gloves are there as well. I just tweeted today that rain gloves are more than just protecting against rain. Okay, rain gloves are great in the heat for humidity. Rain gloves are great in the cold for some warmth. And also, if it unexpectedly rains... You don't want to be unprepared. So I say go to redroostergolf.com, get yourself the rain gloves, get yourself a new fall glove if you're still playing golf out there. The Boilermaker is my favorite. Or get yourself a subscription so that you don't have to worry about when to get gloves and you'll get one every month, every couple months, whatever cadence you want. So redroostergolf.com, enter the code train, get 20% off. Let's get this train back on track. Lauren, I want to dig into your game, but first, help us understand, because you're a speed golf world champ, first speed golf world champ we've ever had on the show, and I'd love to hear, because look, I think everyone's listening to this show for their own world championship, right? It might not be a world championship, but it might be the game with their buddies and they're winning the Nassau. It could be a member guest. It could be a scramble. It could just be with their boss or being comfortable playing with strangers. Like it, it could be whatever it is for them. So I want to know for, from you, what has come up for you in the world championships that you had to overcome that maybe didn't surface in an everyday speed golf round? What did you have to overcome mentally to play against the best of the best? Sure. Well, I mean, as in speed golf, you can get on a run in a good way and that, you start making birdies, you start making putts, and it all happens so quickly that you can get on a roll. That being said, it can go the other way. You know, while we're talking about how not having time to think in between shots about the last bad shot is a is a good thing. Sometimes not having time to calm yourself down after a mm. bad shot or a bad hole 
or something that happened really quickly is not easy. It's a learned skill, especially if you have a, a short game debacle. It, it happens so quickly where you can be right by the green and then all of a sudden you, you chipped up and you you three putted in 20 seconds and you're on the to the next hole and you can't believe it happened. So that's something most rounds I have to mentally overcome and really, really quickly <laughs> because you can let it get you down and you don't have time to overcome it. That's something that I, I have worked a lot on is just trying to get to the next hole, the next shot. And I don't know if that sounds pretty dorky to leave it behind, but that's what you do, right? You run, run away from it, leave it behind. So that's been a bit of a learned skill. That yeah. kind of goes to like the moving fast, but not rushing piece. It's always right? a balance. Like, it's a balance yeah. act out there. Tell us about the world championships. Like, did you run away with it? We don't even know how it works. Like, it'd probably be helpful to understand. Is it an 18 hole championship? Is it match play? Is there qualifying? Like, maybe give some context there and then talk us through some of those storylines and things you had to overcome to win. Speed golf can be a very elite sport. You can play professionally like I do. So we do have a governing body, Speed Golf USA. That's our uh, USGA, if you will. There is a nationwide tour that I play on that runs spring through fall. So we have various events throughout the country that we play in, six, seven events. There are some great international events too. Speed Golf is is really big over there. And that's mm. kind of a whole whole different experience as well. But then it kind of ends right around now. So we just had our, our U.S. championships. They were in Springfield, Missouri, uh, a week and a half ago. I was lucky to kind of run away with that. As I mentioned, I had two really fast rounds. I've been, been working a lot on my fitness, and that showed during that round, which was good. Shut 75, 76, mid-70s rounds, both of those days, but quickly. And then we head to the world championships in about 14 days. Those are only held every other year. And actually, oh. two years ago, they were supposed to be in Japan and were canceled because of COVID. So it's been four years since we've had a, a world championship. But we're headed down to Florida. Yeah, and in two weeks is all to defend the title from, yeah, four years ago now. Wow. So, Lauren, I always love here in Springfield, Missouri. I played at Missouri State. And I think I saw, was it at Horton Smith? Is that where you played? It was. Oh, cool. That's really so cool. Yes, the head pro, Garrett there, Garrett Holt, is an avid speed golfer. He hosted the U.S. championships this year. And as you know, it was a really speed golf friendly course, course to right. play there yeah. because the tees and greens are very close together. There's not a whole lot of hills. But yeah. And the world championships will be exactly the opposite. It sounds like it's really more of a rider's course with spectators course. So there's a lot of long runs in between holes with some some big undulation, which is will, will be fun <laughs> to test the old fitness. So strategically, I would feel, and this is coming from a guy that's not great cardio, so maybe this yeah, is why I'm going there, but I'm like, yeah. I would almost be more anxious about the fitness, but at the same time, if you don't understand the course and if there's blind shots or if there's angles and there's carry yardages, if you're not really knowledgeable about that, because you don't have time to really like check it and look it up, what is more important? Because that can add a minute, two minutes in an error of a shot. So how do you balance? I assume it's a lot of prep beforehand. Yeah, absolutely. And I do think that playing good golf is always premier, no matter what course you play at. When we go to these events, there are guys that will try to outrun the course. Rob Hogan from Ireland 
I mean, he did Horton Smith in like 35 minutes or something. Uh, or Nicholas, who was, uh, yeah, he's a silver medalist in the 1500. He'll take just a six iron and he'll just blaze the course, oh. run, putt, you know, he'll shoot high 80s, but he'll shoot it in 30 minutes. So there's definitely the, the runners will try to take less equipment and outrun it. But in almost all instances, the golfers are those that are successful at the end. But to answer your question, yes, there's certainly prep involved. I mean, when we go down to the world championships, we'll play a regular round of golf. And not only are you looking at the the shots, the greens, etc., but you're also trying to map out what the fastest way from the green to the next tee box is, mm-hmm. which is not always the way that you would play in traditional golf going around the cart path. Sometimes you've got to cut through the trees or through the fescue. You try to map that out in your head and, and go over that as, as well, the shortest distance between greens and tees. And I imagine it's kind of like when you're carrying your own bag, kids or junior players, bag management, maybe, hey, you've got your par four here and then you got a par five coming this way. Drop the bag off in the trees near the fairway, right? Because running without that bag is a time saver. Right. <laughs> and you can't put the bag on the green. It's it's in the okay. rules. Okay. Um, and so this is where speed golf gets pretty dorky in that there are all different ways that people putt with the bag on them. Because in most cases, it's too costly to leave the bag off the green, run off the green and get the bag. So you have to find a way to putt with it on you. I, I putt with it like a backpack. I put it right around my left arm and, and putt with the bag on my back. But other people have hooks on their belt loops that they hang the, the bag on. A lot of the male players will putt one-handed. So they'll hold the, the bag in the left hand and, and putt with the right. One-handed putting is not for me, but some people do it that way. And that saves a lot of time as well. So Lauren, you ran away with the, the U.S. Championship in, in Springfield. What statistically stuck out for you that made this week so special from 75, 76? When you kind of look back a few days later, like... And you said 46 minutes? 48 the first day, 46 the second. Okay. I mean, my speed yeah. was good. That That's really a, that's a fast running time yeah. for me. Golf, to be honest, was pretty average. I was really hoping that I would beat my world record, which was what I was trying to, to get there there was trying to beat my my own record and I was just one shot shy the second day just the golf needed to be just a few shots better it was pretty fast and firm out there which helped the running times but was a little unpredictable on the golf end because you did have to land a lot of shots in front of the green and and roll them up so yeah I just needed a few more putts to fall to get to the number that I I wanted to but played pretty consistent golf and it went back to what we talked about I I didn't make a double bogey the whole weekend, and that's the difference. Would have liked a few more birdies, but I didn't make any uh, any messes the whole weekend, which was helpful. It's it's great. No doubles, Adam. Right? Yeah, I can I can hear our they're, listeners. They're mojo killers. Doubles, as yeah. you know, they are. <laughs> Sir, I can hear our listeners right now being like seventy six and forty six minutes. You gave me eight hours and every resource available. Shooting seventy six is really hard for. A lot of people, but it's so interesting that, you know, I was just talking to Matt yesterday about this. I just played nine holes yesterday. I've been struggling with my swing, trying to get into certain positions and trying to get rid of certain misses. And yesterday I'm playing in the wind, just a little executive course. And it was like playing 140. And I'm like, I'm just going to take my seven iron 
And it just felt instinctually fun that I was just really light, just kind of put it back in my stance, fly to seven, and I hit it pin high, and it felt so easy. So speed golf is probably the one example, because we've talked about this many times to very many premier sports psychologists, including Bob Rotella, Dr. Joe Parent, all of them. Golf's the only sport that's not really reactive. Speed golf's kind of a way to have that in a game that is supposed to be the ball sitting there. We have to swing. The reason I said that story about me is because I think there's a real power to leveraging our instincts again, like a kid, get out there, feel it. You don't need to have the exact pin yardage. You don't need to have, you know, the undulation of the hole and landing yardages. You can sometimes see the shot, hit the shot. And that's what I like about it. That is my favorite part of speed golf. I'm certainly not arguing that golf isn't a sport. It is, but it just, it really makes it athletic. It makes it an athletic endeavor like other sports and a lot more feel involved, creativity involved. And I like that about it. Well, the reason why we talk about why golf is so tough mentally, right, is because of all that time. Where in basketball, you catch the pass, you shoot, you don't have time to think, oh, how far is the hoop? What does the gym look like? You're getting a little closer to that right. with speed golf. And I think that's the learning, right? So, you know, ever anybody who's struggling just can't get out of their own way out there. Hey, go play five holes in speed golf, right? And see where your mind is. Yeah, just play. I really would challenge anybody that wants to get better at golf and better and and just think a little clearer or more simply out there. Just try a few times playing faster. And it doesn't have to be at this super, yeah, super elite level where you're sprinting in between and you're working on your fitness. It can just be, all right, I'm going to go off before the first group by myself I'm going to take two clubs in each hand and I'm going to walk briskly with no practice swings and just feel it. Just try to get the ball in the hole. And I think you'd be really surprised. And I talk to people all the time that are just so surprised that they are shooting very similar scores with just a few clubs and less time. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, man, I kind of want to try this, right? Even if it's just what you just described. What I hear them thinking, because I'm thinking this, I live in LA. I can't get tea times anywhere. (laughs) So in your experience, how does someone even go about doing this with how packed tea sheets are? Is it before sunset? Like, is that the best time? Is it trying to get out before the first group? I try and do that anyways. It's very hard to do. So just curious if someone wants to try it, what's the best way to go about it? I do imagine it's a bigger challenge in LA than it is in central New York uh, <laughs> with uh, with course availability. But there are a lot of speed golf friendly courses and you can actually find those by going to the speed golf USA website. A lot of them have registered cool. and what they will do is mark off just 15, 20 minutes. Cause that's really all you need. And we do this at, at our course also mark off 15, 20 minutes before that first group is teeing off and you could get off 20 speed golfers in 15 minutes, right? You just go out, go off every minute and courses should love that, right? If anybody's that runs a course and my husband and I do, we love it because you can get off so many more players and you never see them again. Premier time is right before the first group. Sometimes you run into the crew out there 
as long as they know you don't you don't care it doesn't need to be perfect conditions like anything else but i play a whole lot right before the sun goes down so i'll just wait till it's low in the sky till those leagues are in and i'll go out and by the time i get to 18 they're in that really helps too and i think once awareness is raised to that the group or two that's out there doesn't mind having you play through and you don't mind skipping a couple holes you just yeah. are flexible this just reminds me two days ago i just kind of connected via social media this guy he's in his 70s avid golfer it's like i've been trying to break par all summer nine holes par all summer and he just started playing speed golf and that's what he would do is he went on a couple rainy days last week and then before the sun went down and he just sent me an email that he shot 31 his best score by like what? seven shots with three clubs as i said he's in his 70s but he said he's kind of just doing a light jog walk and said he had 11 putts and nine holes you know he was just like shocked at just what taking all that extra waiting and all that extra thought in taking that out of it really really helped that's amazing those are the stories, right, Lauren? I mean, yeah, you do. I hear from people all the time. They're like, all right, seriously, I thought you were insane. I thought you were crazy. This seems like a silly idea. It ruins golf. But there's so much to be gained from just trying to play golf quickly. And once you try it a few times and are comfortable with it, I can almost guarantee it. Like you just, you feel so much better playing regular golf, so much more comfortable. Well, at some point, Matt, because we're going to be doing more videos starting next year maybe matt and i should do a speed golf video bring lauren along we should try and find time to maybe wow. do have her show us the ropes but i don't know so no i'm gonna be fine you need to work on your cardio <laughs> although that's because of all the squash you play, play maybe you're getting more you're getting yeah, more cardio than me. Yeah. yeah but i just had a realization this is such a great conversation lauren you might be the most committed golfer we've ever talked with. And what I mean is you make the most committed golf swings, pitches, putts, bunker shots than anyone, because you have way less, like we've talked about this whole last hour, way less time to internalize, way less time to fear. You may make the wrong decisions, but you at least committed to the wrong decisions. One of the great things we talk about is like, Hey, after your round, look back and think how many shots did I not commit to today? Commitment goals are better North stars than score goals is one of the best things that someone can first do to impact their mental game. Cause it's trackable. Right. It's non score driven. It's non-technical. It's about commitment only. Well, Lauren, I think yeah. you're, com you're committing all around. Hey, and thanks that, Matt. <laughs> don't, have a, don't have a choice. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, you're, and, but this is it, right? Like this is part of, getting to that next level in golf is right. doing what you think you're supposed to do. Again, right. that can be wrong sometimes, but at least well, you're not backing down, right? Right, <laughs> right. And that, I think you're right. And I think that does translate into regular slow golf as well. I mean, when you're sitting on that par three and you're between the six and the seven iron, once you choose the six, that's it. I mean, there's no, you have to commit to the shot and, when I'm coaching and I'm standing on those par threes and I'm giving yardages, once we select the club, I always, every time my team makes fun of me, but I always say, okay, make a confident swing. Now you've already made the choice. The choice is over you just, you have to make a good swing. And if it's the wrong club, it's the wrong club, but at least you made a good effort at it. Or when you knock that 10 foot, 10 footer by two and a half feet, 
how often when you just step up and knock it in as opposed to putting the mark down, all the practice. I mean, that's huge too, right? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then I'll get you right back to the show. Guys, in case you didn't know, I don't talk about it that often. I do mental coaching in addition to the podcast. And I've had golfers from scratch all the way to 12s and above. And if you want to take your mental game from listening to this show to the next level, get one-on-one help, we'll put you on a plan, especially if you use mental golf type. I'm a certified coach with mental golf type. We can take your game to the next level. Go to thepartrain.com slash golfmentalcoaching or just email us at thepartrain at gmail.com. Give us a shout and we can have an introductory chat and figure out what you need to work on to get your game to the next level. Get off that struggle bus and get back on track. So thepartrain.com slash golfmentalcoaching. Give us a shout. Let's get your game to the next level. All right, let's get back to the show. Let's just say on average, you shoot a 75, like last week, okay? Um, Or two weeks ago. Out of those 75 shots, how many would you say are not committed on average? Just a few. Yeah, maybe a handful. Wow. So you're you're playing at an over, because I once did this as an experiment. If I commit on over 90% of my swings, I should break 80 as a single digit handicap. And I did. I think yeah. I committed on like 91%. So you have an over 90% commitment rate. I yeah, believe. I would say I would say that's accurate. And a lot of it has to do with there's so much less decision making. If I only have a six iron and a nine iron, it, it's only one of the two. And as I'm running up yeah. there, I know which one it's going to be. So once I get there, there's no very little deciding between clubs. So that is really helpful too. So Lauren, I know we're almost at time. I just want to take one more opportunity to dig in before we let you go. Let's talk your normal golf for a second. Like Matt said, you've had a great amateur career. You're a good player. What is, if you had to identify your mental demon, what gets you kind of out of commitment? What gets your heart rate up? What gets you uncommitted the most in your game right now or historically? I mean, certainly historically, I'm so over competitive. (laughs) I want to win so badly at any Mm. cost. At times that gets in my way because I'm a super even tempered person. But man, on the golf course, when something goes (laughs) wrong, it it feels like my blood is on fire. It's from the inside out um, almost. And so that's been something that I've struggled with for most of my life, to be honest. It's the best part about me. It, it makes me a good competitor, makes me a decent athlete, makes me a good coach, but I'm trying to work on the ability to turn that off <laughs> in both golf and, and other parts of my life. Not everything has to be a competition, but speed golf has really helped with that. There's not as much time to get mad about <laughs> shots. And when I'm playing regular golf, there are times where I'll give myself 20 seconds. It's much easier if you have a caddy because then you can give it to them, right? But for like 20 seconds, I can talk about it. I can let it out how the wind picked up when I hit that shot. How can I get that bounce? I never hit that club that far. If I can get that up for 20 seconds, all right, then like as soon, and I, I time it. When it when it's over, it's over. And I'm, I have to be on to the, the next mm-hmm. shot because just dwelling on it doesn't help. I think we've given you a lot of opportunity to talk about Oh, my swing. I wish my takeaway was here. I wish, 
you know, I wish I had and this he never has. He's never has. Never has. Never has. <laughs> because he's talking about playing the game, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. Back to playing the game, and I want to I want to harp on a point with that real Dad, quick. You take notes here, pal. I want to harp on a point <laughs> because I know it's easy to think, well, it's easy for her because she probably has a great swing or she can shoot in the mid 70s in 46 minutes. But I'm telling you, and I've had I have to learn this over and over, too. It's a self-belief thing. It's an ego thing. It's easier because it's tactical and it's physical to say that the reason I have that two-way miss is because I roll it inside and I flare it open. Like, it's easy to say that, which is partly true. But what I don't think a lot of people realize is that's going to be exacerbated when you don't believe that you can hit a good shot and you're uncommitted. And you're afraid of failure. So maybe if you're really struggling, like I have at times this year, maybe speed golf is a great reset button. You don't need yeah. to like necessarily become a speed golfer, but it could be a great reset button and an aha moment to say, look what I just did without the time to get down on myself, without the time to overthink or think about my swing. You know, so I just want to throw that out there because I think it's easy for people to say, well, it's easy for her to say, but I bet you've seen the other way around, Lauren, where you've probably gotten really deep on your swing and maybe not had the same results. Yeah, absolutely. And I have a really unconventional swing and I tried for years. I wrap around my head three times. I mean, I, I take it really far back and make a big swipe at it. And I have, I've tried to shorten that swing. I've spent an entire year on it just trying to get a shorter swing so that maybe you could get some consistency and it just isn't for me. And so now yeah. I'm just really I've tried trying that too. <laughs> yeah, I just, I really, I'm trying to just work yeah. with what I have. And, you know, of course you have to make little tweaks every once in a while, but they are just little tweaks at this point. And it's just so much of it is just, yeah, just trying to, trying to be athletic, but I think you're right. Evan. I think sometimes it's easier to say like, oh, if I would change my swing, that seems like such an easy fix, right? If I can just change something physically, my golf game would be so much better. But that's not always the the major issue in golf. It's not always something that has to be changed physically. Lauren, I love it. There's always room for a tweak here and there. Right. But an overhaul, oh, unless, so you got all, unless, unless you don't have to work and got all the money in the world and right. enjoy trying to be somebody maybe you're not, Yep. stick to those little tweaks. Yeah, absolutely. We've reached time. We do this for every guest. What would you like to reiterate and hammer home that we've either already talked about? Or is there something that we didn't get a chance to talk about that you want to make sure people hear before we sign off and then tell people where to follow you and where to get more info on speed golf if they'd like? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would just I would challenge anybody that wants to get better at golf just to entertain playing faster. It doesn't have to be an elite level where you're you're playing on the speed golf tour. Just try playing golf simply. It doesn't have to be as hard of a game as we make it with these big elaborate bags and all this time over every shot with these long elaborate practice swings. Just try to get back to the the basics of the game and you can do that by trying to play golf quickly with less equipment, with fewer thoughts. Love it. Maybe at some point we should have Lauren back and do a round table with some of your college golfers. 
because we do mental game roundtables and that could be interesting. Awesome. As well. And as I said, I've got some just amazing young men and women that are just really good people as well. So they'd be they'd be fun to have on. Sweet. That's great. That's great. And where can they follow you? At Speed Golf Her, H-E-R, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. So yes, please give me a follow and follow my journey. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. I think this can help a lot of people yeah. and um, we're excited to have you on board. This was so much fun. Thanks, Evan and Matt. And I look forward to taking you on in a few months. Let's do it. Yeah, great to meet you, Lauren. I got to start my <laughs> you, cardio. Yeah, please start the cardio. <laughs> you got plenty of time. You got time, Evan. That's true. <laughs>